Welcome to Sunrise, your weekday podcast bringing you a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Tremel Gomes. Today, tributes are continuing to pour in over the passing of former Florida Congresswoman Carrie Meek. This is a reminder that community servants like Carrie Meek are not going to be around forever. Would could go from the boardroom to the thrift shop. She loved thrifting. <laughs> so uh, she just had a common touch. After a federal judge struck down the state's gaming compact with the Seminole tribe, now it seems all eyes and bets are on a 2022 ballot initiative to legalize sports betting in the Sunshine State. We feel that that should be up to the voters to decide if they would like more choice and competition and end the monopoly that was established therein by the compact. And lawmakers are back in Tallahassee for their final committee week before next year's legislative session. Today's batch of Sunrise interviews features Matthew Beatty, Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of the Carrie Meek Foundation, and Yolanda Cash-Jackson, shareholder of Becker and Polyakov. They both joined the program to share tributes and fond memories of former Congresswoman Carrie Meek. Also, we talk with David Johnson, a Republican general consultant to candidate campaigns and initiatives. Johnson is also president of Florida Education Champions, the group trying to get a constitutional amendment on the 2022 ballot asking voters to approve sports gambling in Florida. We've got all that, including other top stories trending around the state and capital. Plus, we have your calendar of political events and so much more. But first, a word from our sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics. The following is a paid political advertisement paid for by Florida Education Champions. Everyone loves a win-win, and if you're a fan of sports betting, you can win-win too. Billions of dollars for education, legal sports betting for you. We're Florida Education Champions, and our petition brings competition and choice to legal sports betting in Florida and gives all the tax revenue to public education. That's a win for you and our kids. Be a champion today. Learn more and request your petition at floridaeducationchampions.com. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, November 29th. Today is Cyber Monday, so sit back and shop away from the comforts of wherever you are right now. Today is also Electronic Greetings Day. In between those shopping breaks, send an email greeting to someone you care about. On this day in 1963, President Lyndon Johnson announced that Cape Canaveral would be renamed Cape Kennedy in honor of his assassinated predecessor. The name was changed back to Cape Canaveral in 1973 by a vote of residents. And on this day in 2010, WikiLeaks released to the public more than 250,000 U.S. diplomatic cables and about, and about 100,000 were marked secret or confidential. Tributes are pouring in for former Congresswoman Carrie Meek, who died Sunday at the age of 95. Here's a clip of her last House speech on a voting reform bill in 2002. One minute. I want to thank the gentleman, my good friend, Mr. Hoyer. It was once said that all that is required for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. We had some very good people doing something on this. Sidney Hoyer, Nay, Maxine Waters, the, the uh, Congressional Black Caucus, Corrine Brown, and the entire lot 
They wanted to do something, not just say nothing could be done because of the problems. The problems were faced. We don't have a perfect bill, but we had the very best we could get, and it couldn't have been done without the people that I just mentioned. So I'm glad that I lived to see this bill happen, and we all are very emotional about it because of the fact this to us is an emancipation of some of the problems we've had with voting in this country. And I want to thank the writers of this bill and the people who participated in it. For once, we will go forward to do something better for this country and so that everybody can be created equal. And I yield back the balance of my time, and I thank you, Stanley. On April 26th of this year, the Florida Senate honored Meek for her work to the state of Florida and to the United States. Democratic Senator Chevron Jones, who sits in her former state Senate seat, led the tribute. Meek was the first African-American female elected to the Florida State Senate in 1982. As a state senator, Meek served on the Education Appropriations Subcommittee. Her efforts in the legislature also led to the construction of thousands of affordable rental housing units. In 1992, Meek was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives from Florida's 17th Congressional District. This made her the first black lawmaker elected to represent Florida in Congress since Reconstruction. Her efforts it helped to provide $100 million in federal assistance to rebuild Dade County. Joining the program now is Matthew Beatty, Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of the Carrie Meek Foundation. All right. Well, Matthew Beatty, I know this is uh, uh, just a sad time for you as you head up all efforts there at the foundation. I, I'm trying to figure out where to start. Um, what do you say about the former congressman as you remember her, her legacy? Yeah, you know, it is a... Um, it's a it is a moment to reflect, and and if there is if there is one you know place where I start with when I think of Carrie Meek, um, I start with her love of her family, and and I start there because as I have gotten to know her daughter, uh, which is my CEO now for the last year, after I've taken this role. To know her is to really understand who Carrie Meek was, because Lucia is a passionate person. She's a hardworking person. Uh, she is committed to the things that she cares about and that uh, matter to her community. And she has dedicated her life to advancing her mother's legacy and her work um, and, and advancing, you know, equity for, for those who otherwise would not get it. And so that, that selflessness that I see in her, um, I, every time I see that, I feel like I'm, you know, glancing, you know, briefly into the life of Carrie Meek and getting a sense of, you know, who she was, um, because I just see it so, so fervently and, and Lucia, as we've all seen it, you know, and her son Kendrick and then her daughter Sheila, but it was really her family where, where I, you know, really um, have gotten to know who she was and have really grown to love the impact that not only she had on this community, but on the people who were closest to her. So where does this take the foundation and and what was the impetus of the, the Carrie Meek Foundation and where does it go from here? Sure. Uh, so the impetus was because, you know, Carrie, Carrie Meek was more than just a politician. 
uh, she believed in what she fought for. And so when her time in office was up and she had decided to retire, um, she knew her work was not going to stop there. And she needed a platform where she could continue to advance and fight for marginalized people, black and brown communities, underrepresented um, individuals who don't you know, often have a voice at the table in our communities and in our country. You know, she wanted to continue that work. And, and that was the impetus for launching the foundation, you know, was to, was to take that legacy and truly put it into action so that, so that we're continuing to serve and advance and build uh, and shape these communities. And so from here, you know, we continue that work and, and, we, and we do it now with more fervor and with more energy than ever, because this is a reminder that community servants like Carrie Meek are not going to be around forever. And she is part of a, of a truly, uh, you know, of, of a breed of community leader and political leader and servant leader that we just don't see anymore. And so that means we've got to work even harder to ensure that what she cared about and all that she built over her nearly century of life, that it continues forward. Because if we don't do it, there's no guarantee that anyone else will pick up that mantle. So, so we take that responsibility very seriously and, and we will continue to have our nose to the grindstone to ensure that all that she fought for was not in vain. All right, well, Matthew Beatty, I wish you all the best and thank you for taking this time to speak with me. Absolutely, thank you, Tramel, I appreciate it. And here is Yolanda Cash Jackson, shareholder at Becker and Polyakov. So just your thoughts, we got the news on the passing of former Congresswoman Carrie Meek. Uh, what do you remember about her? What, what, what's her legacy <laughs> to you? Oh boy. Mm. Uh, for me personally, a mentor, uh, I used to describe her as my oldest friend. But she didn't know that. Uh, we spent a lot of time together uh, during the time uh, that she was in Congress and shortly after. Um, we were shopping buddies. <laughs> um, in terms of her legacy, she certainly paved the way for so many. I remember when my first introduction to politics uh, was working with her and the late Alcee Hastings, Willie Logan, and uh, James Burke on redistricting that created the first, or reapportionment that created the first uh, Black members of Congress of which she was the first. Um, her legacy still in Tallahassee as the first African-American to serve in the Senate, at least woman. I don't know which came first, she or Annette Gerardo, but she certainly was the first African-American woman to be uh, elected to the Florida Senate and to take a leadership role in the House, particularly in higher education. Those legacies still uh you know, continue her word at my work at Miami Dade College, 
uh, her work during Hurricane Andrew. Uh, and as a young lawyer, she was the epitome of, for me to see an elected official that never lost a human touch. Uh, she would could go from the boardroom to the thrift shop. She loved thrifting. <laughs> so uh, she just had a common touch. Well, Yolanda Cash Jackson, thank you for sharing those kind words and your personal friendship with the former Congresswoman. Thank you so much. Thank you. Here's your calendar of events. To start the final committee week before the 2022 legislative session, House Democratic co-leader Evan Jenny will hold a media availability to discuss topics of interest to his caucus. The Senate Select Committee on Congressional Reapportionment will hold a workshop about congressional maps at 10. That's at 10. Also at 10, the Senate Select Committee on Congressional Reapportionment will hold a workshop about congressional maps. At the same time, Democratic Senator Lorraine Osley and Republican Representative Chuck Clemens will hold a rural broadband stakeholders meeting in the Senate office building. The Senate Select Subcommittee on Legislative Reapportionment will hold a workshop on Senate maps at 2. Also, the Florida Policy Institute will hold an online event to discuss findings from the 2021 Florida Child Wellbeing Index. Last week, a federal judge dealt Governor Ron DeSantis and the Seminole Tribe of Florida a bad hand, striking down the state's $2.5 billion deal with the tribe, immediately bringing an end to sports betting here in Florida. The ruling is a result of twin lawsuits filed by rival casino owners, longtime South Florida gambling opponents, and a statewide anti-gambling group. U.S. District Judge Dabney Frederick with the District of Columbia said the compact was illegal because it allowed people to place sports bets anywhere in the state in violation of federal laws governing gambling on Indian lands. So now all bets are on a sports betting citizen ballot initiative racing to gather enough signatures. David Johnson is president of Florida Education Champions, who is leading the initiative, and he joins us now. David Johnson, welcome to Sunrise. So glad to have you finally on the program. Thank you. No, thank you. And, you know, gambling is in the news. It's been in the news in recent weeks for a whole bunch of legal issues. But in the midst of that, you have been heading up a campaign to expand sports betting here in the state. Tell us about that. Certainly. Florida Education Champions, our political committee formed in June of 2021. Uh, what we are doing now is obtaining the signatures necessary to put a constitutional amendment on the ballot that will authorize sports and event betting in Florida and any taxes that are collected must supplement the Florida Educational Enhancement Trust Fund. So our amendment is in the process now of collecting the nearly 900,000 valid signatures of Florida voters on petitions. That is what is required to um, uh, submit to make the ballot in November of 2022. So how many do you have and how close are you to this deadline? Well, the deadline is uh, February 1st of 2022. We currently have nearly 600,000 in play, those that are being verified at uh, county supervisors of elections offices then are reported to the state of Florida. So we have folks that are out now um, as active 
petition circulators. We have door-to-door activities. We have digital, online, mail, you name it, any way that we can get people to actually put a a hand-signed petition and get it back to us. We are accepting those now and, and going through the submission process. Ours are available, by the way, at FloridaEducationChampions.com. You could download, go there, learn about it, download the petition, sign it, and mail it in, or text us at 888-922-2240, and we'll get you one in the mail immediately. It is required that they are signed with a wet signature, if you will, uh, by Florida election law. So this amendment, I just briefly mentioned some of the legal battles that's going on, including the one that was recently struck down and still going through its process. Your amendment would supersede that. Help us understand how your amendment is different from what's going on and why do we have all of these issues pursuing the same thing? Well, under the terms of the compact that was signed uh, with the Seminole Tribe between the state of Florida and the Seminole Tribe in May of this year, sports betting is a part of that. That is the part that our amendment would address is only the sports betting part. The rest of the compact is not in any way, shape, or form part of our amendment. What our amendment does is broaden the scope of choice and competition. It would allow other companies besides Hard Rock Digital, who currently has pending court decisions, of course, has the only betting platform that is available to Florida. We feel that that should be up to the voters to decide if they would like more choice and competition and end the monopoly that was established therein by the compact. Folks that are sports bettors enjoy choice. They would like to go to platforms that they trust, that have national name brands that are available in other states, and they'd like that option. Ours doesn't actually supersede because under our amendment, no matter what happens in court these days, any Native American tribe or the compact with the state of Florida would be eligible to participate through our amendment. They are named in our amendment therein, but others would be able to, other platforms would be available. DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, Caesars, Barstool Sports, the names that are working um, successfully in many other states And the reason that's important is people want choice. They want the ability to go shop for the best prices. They want the ability to shop for the best odds. Uh, One platform may offer, say, for example, last night, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma were playing. Some were offering minus four favored by Oklahoma State, somewhere at three and a half. That difference is a big difference to sports bettors, especially when the game ends on a four-point number. Hey, how come you didn't use the example of the Gators? And the Seminoles. Well, that and and that's another example as well. But I do have some uh, a little bit of sense in that regard, Tramel, not to use the, a very hot and sore subject with your listeners here in this in this state between the Gators and the Knolls. Uh, but that game also ended on a three. The big difference in ours is uh, is something that we call a win-win. Not only do sports cutters win, but we believe that public education in the state of Florida will win as well because uh, any tax revenues established by the implementation language the legislature would establish, those dollars have to go to supplement the Florida Educational Enhancement Trust Fund. You know, a lot of people say, oh, well, we've heard that one before. Uh, That would be referring to the lottery from uh, 1986. Well, that was 35 years ago. And that is not a concern of ours 
because our keyword is supplement. When you have to supplement something, you are not able to be replacing it, but to supplement it. So we believe that we would be offering this amendment to the voters, which could put over a billion dollars into education enhancement into the trust fund over a period of five or six years. And that's what our study was about. So just on the financial aspects of it, I know proceeds will be going to support education, but how lucrative is this sports betting industry that Florida is not tapped into, but other states are? Well, it's and that's a that's a great question because it is such a, a new industry in terms of being available to the states. The U.S. Supreme Court only made sports betting available, excuse me, sports betting available to um, um, all the states uh, in 2018. So this is very, very new. You had implementation. Many came online in, in late 2018 and 2019 and so forth. And then you had a pandemic and the pandemic disrupted so much of the of the marketplace in terms of, of moving forward and having really good data to know how much that we are going to be able to garner here in the state of Florida. And then let's look at Florida itself. Not only do we have 22 million residents, we have you know a, a potential probably 15 to 16 million people over the age of 21 uh, in, that, in that cohort, but we have tens upon tens of millions of visitors from out of state, international visitors, and all that has to be be looked at in terms of what the total revenue would be to the state. But again, we're not really um, um, uh, dealing with a great deal of, of historic data on this because it is so very new. So we went with the um, Dr. Tony Villamil, who is a longtime, um, well-known, nationally renowned economist in his firm, the Washington Economic Group out of, um, out of Miami. Uh, they took a look at our sports betting amendment, and they were to, to their charge was to estimate what this impact would mean on the Florida um, economy uh, and what it would mean over a short period of time. And we asked them to be very, very conservative in their estimates so that we had a good presentation to make to the voters as they determined whether or not first they were going to sign the ballot. But number two, will they be voting uh, in the affirmative in, in 2020? So with that, what were the findings of the Washington Economics? Well, the, yeah. the findings were in, in bullet points. And uh, it is available, by the way, at our website at FloridaEducationChampions.com. And by year three, would it generate uh, $247 million every year annually that would be directed to the Educational Enhancement Trust Fund. It would create over 30,000 jobs, generate over $1.25 billion in household income in the state of Florida, have a, a GDP impact of over $2 billion, and the total economic impact in, in, by that would be over $3.5 billion every year in the state of Florida. Not only is this about online sports platforms, but it also authorizes sports and event betting at professional sports venues, paramutual facilities as well. And as I mentioned, the Native American tribe with a compact is also eligible under ours should there be challenges and, and difficulties in these court proceedings as they go forward. Native American tribes with a compact with the state 
under our amendment would be eligible for the sports betting component. So it's um, like we say, it's a win-win. It's a win for sports bettors. It's a win for the public education system. Well, David Johnson, I want to thank you again for joining us. And as we wrap up, looking ahead as those legal issues continue, as you move ahead with this amendment, you're the expert watching all of this. What should we look forward to looking ahead here to not get confused with all the things that's happening? How would you guide us in in this world of Florida looking to expand gambling? Well, I believe that one thing that's important to look at is going to be, of course, we have our amendment about sports betting. The Las Vegas Sands has another amendment, and that's about building a casino in, in North Florida, among other things. But theirs isn't related to sports betting. Ours isn't related to um, uh, building new casinos. Some people do get those confused. I believe that what we're going to see going forward here is our focus right now is just on getting the petitions necessary. It's a big job. We have hundreds upon hundreds of people that are working, um, um, earning a living every day in the field, trying to get Floridians to hear their pitch and determine whether or not they want to sign the um, the petition. So that is our, our very short-term uh, goal, our short-term focus. We feel very confident that we're going to be able to make that. Then after that, there's a series of uh, legal steps that we take. We submit to the Secretary of State. Uh, I'm sorry, we submit to the Attorney General for review after the Secretary of State has uh, told her basically that our signatures are valid, that we have made the threshold. Then that goes to the Supreme Court for review of of our language. And then we're running a campaign where we have to get 60% in the affirmative on the uh, November 22 ballot. So this is a longer process. It's a game that we'll be talking about uh, going through the uh, the coming election season. And uh, greatly appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you this morning, Tramel. All right, well, David Johnson, once again, thank you for joining me and I look forward to having you on as things move along. I look forward to it as well. You have a good day. Finally, as you jumpstart your day, thanks for tuning in for today's Sunrise. I'm Tramel Gomes, inviting you to join us again tomorrow for a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture. 